0: Of the many problems which exercised the reckless discernment of Lonrot, none was so strange, so rigorously strange, shall we say, as the periodic series of bloody events which culminated at the villa of Tristluois, amid the ceaseless aroma of the eucalypti. It is true that Eric Lonrot failed to prevent the last murder, but that he foresaw it is indisputable. Neither did he guess the identity of Yarmolinsky's luckless assassin. But he did succeed in divining the secret morphology behind the fiendish series, as well as the participation of Red Scarlach, whose other nickname is Scarlach the Dandy. That criminal, as countless others, had sworn on his honor to kill Lonrat, but the latter could never be intimidated. Lonrat believed himself a pure reasoner and Auguste Dupin, but there was something of the adventurer in him and even a little of the gambler. The first murder occurred at the Hotel du Nord, that tall prism which dominates
1: the estuary whose waters are the color of the desert. To that tower, which quite glaringly unites the hateful whiteness of a hospital, the numbered divisibility of a jail, and the general appearance of a bordello, there came on the third day of December the delegate from Podolsk to the Third Talmudic Congress, Dr. Marcel Yarmolinsky, a gray-bearded man with gray eyes. "'We shall never know whether the Hotel du Nord pleased him. "'He accepted it with the ancient resignation "'which had allowed him to endure three years of war in the Carpathians "'and 3,000 years of oppression and pogroms. "'He was given a room on floor R, "'across from the suite which was occupied, and not without splendor, "'by the Tetrarch of Galilee. "'Yarmolinsky supped, postponed until the following day "'an inspection of the unknown city.' ...arranged in a placard his many books and few personal possessions... ...and before midnight extinguished his light... ...thus declared the tetrarch chauffeur who slept in the adjoining room. On the 4th, at 11.03 a.m., the editor of the Yiddish Zeitung put in a call to him. Dr. Yarmolinsky did not answer. He was found in his room, his face already a little dark... ...nearly nude beneath a large anachronistic cape. He was lying not far from the door which opened onto the hall... A
0: deep knife wound had split his breast. A few hours later, in the same room, amid journalists, photographers, and policemen, Inspector Trevoranus and Lonrot were calmly discussing the problem. No need to look for a three-legged cat here, Trevoranus was saying as he brandished an
1: imperious cigar. We all know that the Tetrarch of Galilee owns the finest sapphires in the world. Someone intending to steal them must have broken in here by mistake. Yarmolinsky got up. The
0: robber had to kill him. How does that sound to you? Possible, but not interesting, Lunrod answered. You'll reply that reality hasn't the least obligation to be interesting. And I'll answer you that reality may avoid that obligation, but that hypotheses may not. In the hypothesis that you propose, chance intervenes copiously. Here, here we have a dead rabbi. I would prefer a purely rabbinical explanation... ...not the imaginary mischances of an imaginary robber. I'm not interested in rabbinical explanations. I'm interested in capturing the man who stabbed this uh, unknown person. Not so unknown. Here are his complete works. A vindication of the Kabbalah... ...an examination of the philosophy of Robert Flood... ...a literal translation of the Sefer Yitzharach... ...a biography of the Baal Shem... ...a history of the Hasidic sect... ...a monograph, in German, on the Tetragrammaton... Another on the divine nomenclature of the Pentateuch. I'm a
1: poor Christian. Carry off those musty volumes if you want. I don't have any time to waste on Jewish
0: superstitions. Maybe the crime belongs to the history of Jewish superstitions. Like Christianity. The editor of the Yiddish Zeitung ventured to add he was myopic, an atheist, and very shy. No one answered him. One of the agents had found
1: in the small typewriter a piece of paper on which was written the following unfinished sentence.
0: The first letter of the name has been uttered. Lonrad abstained from smiling. Suddenly, become a bibliophile or Hebraist, he ordered a package made of the dead man's books and carried them off to his apartment. Indifferent to the police investigation, he dedicated himself to studying them. One large octavo volume revealed to him the teachings of Israel Ben Shel Tov, founder of the sect of the pious. Another, the virtues and terrors of the tetragrammaton, which is the unutterable name of God. Another, the thesis that God has a secret name, in which is epitomized, as in the crystal sphere which the Persians ascribe to Alexander of Macedonia, his ninth attribute, eternity. That is to say, the immediate knowledge of all things that will be, which are, and which have been in the universe. Tradition numbers 99 names of God. The Hebraists attribute that imperfect number to the magical fear of even numbers. The Hasidim reasoned that that hiatus indicates a hundredth name, the absolute name. From this erudition, Lernrat
1: was distracted a few days later by the appearance of the editor of the Yiddish Zeitung. The
0: latter wanted to talk about the murder. Lornrott preferred to discuss the diverse names of God. The journalist declared in three columns that the investigator, Eric Lornrott, had dedicated himself to studying the names of God in order to come across the name of the murderer. Lornrott, accustomed to the simplifications of journalism, did not become indignant. One of those enterprising shopkeepers who have discovered that any given man is resigned to buying any given book, published a popular edition of the history of the Hasidic sect. The second murder occurred on the evening of the 3rd of January, in the most
1: deserted and empty corner of the capital's western suburbs. Toward dawn, one of the gendarmes who patrolled those solitudes on horseback saw a man in a poncho, lying prone in the shadow of an old paint shop. The harsh features seemed to be masked in blood. A deep knife wound had split his breast. On the wall, across the yellow and red diamonds,
0: were some words written in chalk. The gendarmes spelled them out. That afternoon, Trevor Annes and Lundrat headed for the remote scene of the crime. To the left and right of the automobile, the city disintegrated. The firmament grew, and houses were of less importance than a brick kill or a poplar tree. They arrived at their miserable destination, an alley's end with rose-colored walls, which somehow seemed to reflect the extravagant sunset. The dead man had already been identified. He was Daniel Simon Acevedo. An individual of some fame in the old northern suburbs who had risen from wagon driver to political tough, then degenerated to a thief and even an informer. The singular style of his death seemed appropriate to them. Acevedo was the last representative of a generation of bandits who knew how to manipulate a dagger, but not a revolver. The words in chalk were the following. The second letter of the name has been uttered. The third murder... ...occurred on the night of the 3rd of February. A little before 1 o'clock, the
1: telephone in Inspector Anna's office rang. In avid secretiveness, a man with a guttural voice spoke. He said his name was Ginsburg or Ginsburg, ...and that he was prepared to communicate, for reasonable remuneration... ...the events surrounding the two sacrifices of Azevedo and Yarmolinsky. A discordant sound of whistles and horns drowned out the informer's voice. Then the connection was broken off. Without yet rejecting the possibility of a hoax... After all, it was carnival time. Trevor Honest found that he had been called from the Liverpool House, a tavern on the Rue de Toulon, that dingy street where side by side exists the Cosmorama and the coffee shop, the body house and the Bible cellars. Trevor Honest spoke with the owner. The latter, Black Finnegan, an old Irish criminal who was immersed in almost overcome by respectability, told him that the last person to use the phone was a lodger, a certain Griffius, who had just left with some friends. Trevor Honest went immediately to Liverpool House. The owner related the following.